Dios. And um, we're going to be in John chapter 6, verses 60 through 71. And let's just pray, and let's ask God to speak to us through his word this morning. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is living, it's active. God, you speak to us consistently through it. And so we just humble ourselves before your word this morning. We ask you, speak again. God, whatever we need to hear, however we need to be encouraged, however we need to be challenged, we give you permission. And we ask you to do it in Jesus' name. Amen. So I wonder if you've ever struggled to trust Jesus. Have you ever doubted or, or questioned his power, his authority, his kindness, his love? Or thought maybe like, oh yeah, his love, his kindness, those things are, are real, but they're for everyone else, just not for me. If you're like me, your answer to that question is yes, like 10 minutes ago, <laughs> and then yesterday, and then a few days before that. Like we, we struggle at times to believe God. So if you're coming in here doubting God or, or struggling to, to reconcile what you read in his word with what you see in this world, or if you're wanting your faith to grow but you're feeling stuck, then God's word is going to speak to us this morning. And he's going to show us this truth that we can cling to, that we can grasp to, even when we don't understand everything. And that truth is that we can experience eternal life in Christ alone. We can experience eternal life only in Jesus. And this eternal life that is found in Christ means that even when we doubt, we have a God who actually draws near to us. We have a God who, who comes to us and then he draws us to himself in the struggle, in the battle, in the anxiety. We experience his presence and our faith grows. See, doubts and, and questions don't have to push us away from Jesus. Instead, they are an incredible opportunity for us to learn that Jesus comes near to us. So we're going to watch this play out in John chapter 6. Jesus had just told the crowd of people, first he had, had fed them, and then he told them that in order for them to have eternal life, they need to eat his flesh and drink his blood. He was preparing them for the fact that, that his body would be broken and his blood would be shed for them on the cross. He was showing them that their only hope of salvation was the work of Jesus on the cross, but many of them were only speak, thinking from, from human perspectives. They were like, okay, this guy just told me I need to eat him and then I need to drink him. That's kind of crazy, right? It's actually quite crazy. And so it's no wonder they respond, Jesus, this is a hard saying. They're struggling to understand what he says. So look at, at starting now in verse 60. It says, when many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, do you take offense at this? So just as we would probably do if we heard something like this, these people are, are talking among themselves like, did he just say that? What in the world does he mean by, by what he just said? We have to, to eat him. Some of them are confused. Some of them are grossed out. Some of them are probably still like, I don't even know what to say about that. But I want you to notice Jesus' 
response. He knew that they were grumbling. He knew that they were questioning, and so he approached them. He went to them and he asked them a question. He said, do you take offense at this? Or are you bothered by what I just said? And I want to highlight this truth that Jesus is with you when you doubt. Jesus is with you when you doubt. See, he knows that these people are struggling. They're struggling to understand what he just told them. And his response to their grumbling is not like a walking back of what he just said. Like, okay, actually, I, I didn't mean it quite like that. Like, what I was actually trying to say was something less offensive. But instead, he just says, are you guys offended by what I said? He's ready to enter into a conversation with them. He's ready to, to sit with them, to be with them. And he hasn't changed. Like, we live in a world where much of what the Bible teaches is, is offensive to many people. And this truth that, that Jesus is, is with us when we doubt, he's with us when we struggle with those things, is really good news. Because there are going to be times, and there are times, and there have been times in our lives when we wrestle with what Jesus says. Like, there are times when we read the Bible and the Bible reveals sin in our hearts and we're like, I don't like how that feels. Or we read the Bible and the Bible says something that is contrary to other messages that we, that we hear and we're like, I don't like how that feels. And in each of those moments, we need to know Jesus is with us. That his word has, has not changed. His truth has not changed. The way we enter into relationship with God has not changed. His ability to reveal sin in our hearts and to, to then grow us has not changed, and we have an opportunity to respond to that question, do you take offense at this? And I know for me, like, I, I have a tendency to be a people pleaser. Like, I tend to be very diplomatic in my responses with people. I'm always trying to find common ground. I'm always trying to, to figure out how we can be on the same page but that desire, that, that personality has to bow to Jesus and his word. Because there are times as a follower of Jesus, there are times as a pastor when I, I need to speak up and I need to be clear. I need to speak a clear truth from God's word, even if that speak, speaking that truth might be offensive for some, even if it might not please that person. And in those moments, I, we, have a decision to make. And the decision is, are we going to, to boldly, in love, declare God's word, or are we going to beat around the bush to make the person happy? And in those moments when that decision comes, I have to remember Jesus, and, and what does he do? Well, right here, he boldly speaks that truth, and then he confidently asks a follow-up question. He says, are you offended? Right? He, he boldly makes the declaration, but then he's willing to enter into a conversation. And I think we can learn so much from that. Because he's not, he's not just like, I'm going to make a declaration and then it's, it's, that's how it is and I'm not even going to process this with you at all. But instead he says, this is true, now let's talk about it. 
And so we must stand on the truth of God's word. As Christians, we have to stand on the truth of God's word because if we don't stand on that, we have nothing to stand on. But like we see Jesus doing here, we also must be willing to enter into relationship and conversation with people who are wanting to grow in their understanding of his word too. And that's why I'm so thankful that we've got these city groups that we have in this church, groups where we're meeting in our homes and we're, we're opening the word of God and we're studying the word of God together and we're, we're understanding his word, we're growing in his word together so that we can humbly respond to him in faith. And it's one of the reasons that we encourage everyone who's part of this church to, to be part of one of those groups because we have doubts, we have at times difficulties with what we read in God's word and we need to process those things with others. And we know, as we just saw, that Jesus is with us when we doubt. He enters into conversation with us. And as we read on, we see that he doesn't just enter into conversation, but he also, by his spirit, he brings our hearts alive to the life that he offers. See, when we doubt, yes, he talks to us, but he also awakens our hearts to his truth. So look at verse 62. He says, then, what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. So, one major difference between a difficult saying that Jesus says and a difficult math problem, for example, is that when Jesus speaks, he, he carries the authority of God, and, and the only way that we can fully understand what Jesus says is by his Spirit working in our hearts to give us understanding. A math problem, for example, is you can work it out logically, right? You can, you can learn the steps, you can work out the problem logically, but trusting Jesus' word requires faith every time. And while my flesh can solve a math problem, according to verse 63, the flesh is no help when it comes to eternal life. See, the truth that Jesus is declaring here is a spiritual truth, and so the Spirit of God must give us understanding to receive what he says. And, and the result of that reality is that some will hear and will believe, but others will hear and reject. That's what happened in John chapter 6, and it still happens today, and that's why 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 18 says, the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of of God. The same message has two different results. For some, it's, it's foolishness. For other, it is the very power of God. Meaning that some people will hear the words of Jesus. They will hear about his death on the cross, hear about his resurrection, and they will reject it because for them, it's, it's, it's foolishness. While others will hear the words of Jesus, will learn about his death, learn about his resurrection, and they'll believe it all. And for them, the message of the cross is the power 
of God that saves. And these verses show us like the power of God has to be active in the process because Jesus says in verse 65, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. I want you to think about that reality like because it shows us the kindness of who God is. You and I, regardless of where we are at in our relationship with God, in our walk with God right now, at one time we were dead in our sins. We were rebels against God. We were choosing sin instead of choosing God. But God came to us. The Father drew near to us by sending Jesus. Even though we offended him and even though we were offended by him, but he came and he lived a sinless life. He died on the cross to pay for the penalty of every one of our sins. He took our sin upon himself so that you and I could be forgiven. And then the Spirit of God, at some point in each of our lives, he began revealing the work of Jesus to us. The Spirit of God began softening our hearts to be able to, to receive and to understand the message of Jesus and to respond in faith. And then at some point, we, we turned away from our sins and we placed our faith in Jesus. And according to this, it was the Father who was giving us access. It was the Father who was saying, hey, I want you to be part of my family. Come and be part of my family. We experienced the message of the cross, and for us, it was the power of God. And the beautiful news is because Jesus draws near to doubters, he drew near to us. And the fact that he did changed us for all eternity. See, we can experience eternal life in Christ alone because even to the doubters, Jesus proves himself faithful. And now this faithful God, as we spend time around him, as we spend time in his presence, our faith grows. Look at verse 66. It says, After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go away as well? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus answered them, Did I not choose you, the twelve? And yet one of you is the devil. He spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. So from these verses, I want to, to highlight this truth that experiencing Jesus' presence brings faith. See, while Jesus was speaking to this large crowd, this multitude that he had just fed, his disciples were by his side. And, and even though Jesus entered into conversation with these people, even though he asked them questions, many of them still left him because they still found it offensive what he was saying. And so then as, as many from the crowd leave, Jesus turns to his 12 disciples and he says, are you guys going to go too? And look again at Peter's response in 68 and 69. He said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. 
to where else would we go? See, their fishing nets had never given them eternal life. Their tax collecting booths had never given them eternal hope. Their religion had never filled them with peace, but Jesus had. And even though the reality for them was like, they did not always understand what Jesus was saying, but they did know that he had the words of eternal life. They believed him even when they did not fully understand him, and they came to know that he is the Holy One of God. Peter said, they came to know, meaning it was, it was a process of them learning who Jesus is, but, but the more they spent time with him, the deeper in their hearts they knew, by faith, this is the one that is God. Because these men were with Jesus all of the time, right? They were watching him as he was healing. They were observing him and his interactions with people. They were um, hearing his teachings. They were walking with him. And as they did those things, they came to know him deeper and deeper. And so the natural question then for, for us in light of this is, how do we respond to Jesus' question? While many of those in, in, the, in the popular culture would, would boldly turn away from Jesus, boldly reject his word in these times, if he were to ask you, do you want to go away as well? how would you respond? And I want to suggest that that our response to that question, it depends on where our priorities lie. Because if if we are only concerned with our status and our our comfort and our, our popularity here on this earth, then we are with what awaits us in eternity, then It would make sense that whenever Jesus says something difficult, whenever we struggle with what he says, then we leave. We say, I don't I don't really like that because that's not comfortable, so I'm gonna I'm gonna step away from him. And that's what we see happening in John chapter six. Right? When Jesus was was feeding the massive crowd, when he used five pieces of bread and two fish to to feed a multitude, everyone was like, This is our king. We love him. We want to follow him. We want him to be our king. And why wouldn't we? Like, if someone's giving us free meals, sign me up. See, when, when following Jesus for them meant material and, and physical benefits, then the people were all in. They were all about it. But the moment that Jesus said something difficult, something that was hard for them to understand, something that was hard to receive, they left. And I was communicating like that their priority was only here, only now. If this guy feeds us, we're with him. But the moment he says something difficult, we're out. That's the attitude that we see from the majority of the crowd in this chapter. And it's an attitude that still is, is prevalent in our culture today. People that, that get excited about Jesus, but then something difficult happens or He reveals sin in our hearts that we really like or we read something that we disagree with in the Bible and then then they're gone. Because comfort in this life is more important for some than glory in the next. Because they're not yet at the point where they would say, Jesus is God, he is Lord, he is King, so whatever he says, I am all 
in. Jesus needs to give us an eternal perspective. We need to, to see beyond the here and the now to understand what he has to say. This was played out. Um, there's a teacher in our midst who works at a Christian school, and, and she was saying that during city group that, that they always tell their kids as their kids are, are working really hard at some sort of a project, some sort of homework, the teacher will ask, why are we working so hard? And the kids will respond, because we are preparing to meet the king. And I thought that was so, so profound. Like, why are we working so hard? Because I've got to get my homework done. <laughs> That's the focus on the here and now. But if we have this eternal perspective that we're working hard because everything that we do should be done with all of our hearts for the glory of God, then that changes how I work. That changes how I live, and the same is true in this context. See, it's so easy for us to focus on what we see on this earth. But if our lives are only focused on right here and right now, then we can miss out on so much of what God wants to do in us and through us. But if we realize as followers of Jesus that the reality is that we will stand before our King and we will give an account for, for everything that we did. And as we face him, then it's going to be a question of, man, what did you do with what I said? If we have that in mind, then when our king speaks, we obey. When our king speaks, we, we trust him, even if we don't fully understand, even if we are uncomfortable with what obeying him looks like, because our loyalty, our allegiance is to our king and no one else. And if we want to respond like Peter here and say, Lord, where else would we go? You have the words of eternal life. If we want that to be our response, then we need to rewind and say, man, what got him to that point? Spending time with Jesus. See, what I love about Peter's response here is that he still did not fully understand what Jesus had said. He did not know exactly what, what Jesus meant when he said, you need to eat my body and drink my blood. He didn't fully grasp that Jesus was foreshadowing the cross. But instead of leaving, because he did not understand, what did he do? He moved closer to Jesus. Like, I don't understand and that really sounded crazy what you said, but I have nowhere else to go. So I'm going to press into you, and I'm going to trust that as I'm with you, you're going to teach me. I'll learn, and that's faith. And church, that is the faith that Jesus invites all of us into. Faith is not the absence of questions. It's not the absence of confusion. Faith is a confidence in God that even when we have questions, even when we are confused, it's all the more reason to go to him. And I say this a lot because it's so important. It's the core of who we are that we need to spend time with Jesus. In Romans, it says that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So when we struggle with faith, when we struggle to, to grow and to understand what Jesus is saying, we need to open God's word. In the struggle, we don't 
go away from God, but we know God comes near to us, and so we draw near to him. Just from a practical level, something that I do that, that helps me when I'm struggling to trust God or when I'm fearful or when I'm concerned is that I'll, I'll sit down and I'll physically write out, God, this is what I'm struggling with. This is what I'm fearful of. This is how it feels. These are the things that I'm, I'm believing. And then I'll ask God, God, what do you say about what I just wrote down? What do you say about what I'm believing? And then I'll open the Bible I'll open his word and I'll see how he responds. It's always a, a special time because it's a, it's a personal time of like, God, here's my heart. Now, would you speak your truth into what I'm seeing, what I'm feeling? And every time that I do that, God encourages my heart. And I share that to tell you like, you too can press in to your relationship with God. Faith does not just randomly grow. It's not like a weed that just shows up out of nowhere. Faith must be cultivated. It must be grown. And how does that happen? By spending time with Jesus. Because it's, it's in the quiet place. It's in the presence of God that our faith grows. And then, as difficulty comes, as, as doubts come, as the cost of following Jesus increases, even when others turn away, our response can be like Peter's. Where else would we go? We recently remember September 11th, and 21 years ago on that day, Todd Beamer was on Flight 93 going across Pennsylvania. Their plane was hijacked, and he stood up, and he, he mobilized other p- passengers in the plane, and he, he yelled these words that became famous, let's roll those passengers got together and they were able to take the plane down before it hit the building that it was headed for. And many lives, we don't know how many, many lives were saved by Todd's brave action that day, but Todd's life was lost. And he left behind his, his wife. He left behind three young children. And it was a, an absolute tragedy. And, and Todd's wife, Lisa, as she struggled with the heartbreak, and she struggled with all the implications of what had happened, she had a question to answer. Is the same question that Peter had to answer, a question from Jesus. Do you want to go away as well? And it was a moment of decision for her. Would she continue in her relationship with Jesus even though it hurt, even though she had so many questions? Or would she leave? Listen to her own words. This is a quote from her. She said, God's sovereignty has been made clear to me. When I am tempted to become angry and ask, what if and why us? God says, I knew on September 10th and I could have stopped it. But I have a plan for greater good than you can ever imagine. I don't know God's plan. And honestly, right now, I don't like it very much. But I trust that he is true to his promise in Romans 8:28. We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. So my only responsibility is to love God. He will work out the rest. So how how can a woman who just lost her husband, who knows my three kids are going to grow up now without a dad, how is she able to say those words? 
because she had been with Jesus. And Jesus had given her an eternal perspective, a perspective that was so much greater than anything that she could have got on her own. One more quote from her as she explains this. She says, September 11th has shown me the reality of eternity in a dynamic way these past few months. When I'm overwhelmed with sadness at what I've lost in this life, he is quick to give me his eternal perspective. Lisa, this life is just a blip on the radar screen compared to your future with me in heaven. He says, the best thing that you can imagine on this earth is garbage compared to what awaits you. She had been with Jesus. She had testimony of what he had spoken to her in her heart as she pressed in to him. And she experienced the key truths that we saw in John 6. The truth that Jesus is with you even when you doubt. She had experienced Jesus' presence with her and her, his presence grew her faith to keep loving Jesus even when it was hard. She said, where else will I go? Jesus had given her eternal perspective and that eternal perspective allowed her to keep walking with Jesus through tragedy. And for each and every one of us, we don't know everything that awaits us on this earth. There will be times of great joy. There will be times of great trouble. There will be times when following Jesus feels like the easiest thing that just comes so naturally. And there will be time, times when following Jesus comes at a great cost. But through it all, we know what awaits everyone who trusts in Jesus and it's eternal life, it's eternal joy, it's forever in God's presence without sin, without pain. And while our life on earth here at the moment seems like it's so long, in the reality it's, it's, it's quick and eternity is forever. So let me encourage you with the same encouragement that God has given me through these verses. Press in to Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Focus on the eternity that is coming with him. Knowing that even when we doubt, he's with us. Knowing that his presence brings faith. And what was true then is still true now. There is nowhere else to go. Because we experience eternal life in Christ alone. That's our hope as Christians. And if you have not yet placed your faith in Jesus, you can make that decision this morning. There's nowhere else you can go for life. There's nowhere else you can go for forgiveness but to Jesus. So you can pray with me even now. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. And Lord, I pray that anyone who, who does not know you, who wants to place their faith in you, would just pray with me, Jesus, I've heard from you this morning. I know that your body had to be broken for my sin. I know that your blood had to be shed for my sin. So I confess my sin to you, and I thank you for paying for it. I thank you for dying so that I could be in relationship with you. So I place my faith in you now, turning from my sins and trusting in you. Fill me with your spirit. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for giving me hope. In Jesus' name. And, and God, I, I just pray for each and every individual in here. Lord, we know that as followers of you, there are plenty of times that we struggle to trust. Plenty of times that we doubt. Plenty of times that we hear things that are, are difficult from your word. But Lord, I pray that we would see every one of those opportunities as an opportunity to press into you, to go to you knowing that you are with us in our doubt. 
And I pray, God, that, that in your presence, our faith would grow. Where would you do it? I pray in your name. Amen.